everybody has something to provide into this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone, no matter what gender you are, you have experience and knowledge and skill sets that can help somebody. Hey guys, welcome to Bluemix episodes in 2020. We have a great lineup uh, for you guys. Uh, as you notice, we are in a new location, the Huddle Share Space. We'll be filming out here from now on. It's also where our offices are. Um, and big shout out to MCRO who continues to support us. Um, if you guys need any apps, any kind of software development, definitely consider them in your uh, process. Uh, they do a great job and they support us so they can support you. Take care. Perfect. <laughs> We're on. That's just to like figure out when to cut the yeah. tape and get it rolling. But Harmon, man, what's going on? Good to have you on. Yo, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Like you're a super interesting guy. Uh, we met at um, the Venture Labs event. Yeah, made right? in York region. Made in York yeah. region. Finally got a chance to meet you. We, we kept in touch in link on LinkedIn. What a yep. great tool to meet people, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, like the event was great. Yeah, right, you're seeing you. all the things that are, again, made in Europe region, right? Yeah. Came out of the region and how, I mean, the story of these founders. Because mm -hmm. one of the things I appreciate is that York mm -hmm. is such an old tech region. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Toronto, the rest of the, uh, the Toronto, like tech is like a new emerging thing. Mm -hmm. But tech in York region has been going on for like quite a while now. Yep. And um, Venture Labs and the partnerships you hold mm -hmm. have been ingrained into that culture. Mm -hmm. So you guys have about, what, 400 startups working under your belt? Yeah, so our, our, our client base, uh, in terms of how many we served last year, is around 400. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, our clients, we have about 2,000. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and it focuses on supporting uh, later stage tech companies. Mm -hmm. So anyone who already has a product, they're in market, um, and they're really trying to get to the support they need to build more traction, get more sales, right? If they're thinking about raising money, right? Getting support in terms of understanding how to um, set up their pitch, right, yep. and practicing their pitch. Um, if they're not thinking about raising money and they're just like, no, I just want to focus on building the company, then figuring out, okay, what are those objectives and what can we kind of facilitate to put in front of you to help you meet those objectives, right? Mm -hmm. um, the way we work is essentially uh, we have different programs that everybody falls into. Um, we have our pre-accelerator support program for anybody who has a they're earlier, uh, it, like they're earlier in the stage of development of their product, right? So necessarily they might have an MVP or it's not necessarily finished, but they show very high potential of success just because of um, the amount of industry expertise that they might have um, or the level of insight that they know about the problem that they're trying to solve, um, the ability of the team that they're able to put together, right? Like do you actually have people who can actually create what you're talking about, right? Um, and like if they have that mindset. Right. Um, so if those kind of that kind of like if you see that, then you make the exception. Right. Um, but a majority of our programs fall uh, within the growth stage I was talking about. So you already have something you're in market. Um, we have like our accelerated growth program. Um, we have our newly launched hardware catalyst initiative and our tech undivided program. Um, and then we have a whole other slew of companies um, or programs. And mm -hmm. then for anyone who's kind of scaled and they're like, I don't really need these resources anymore. Um, we have our strategic advisory program and our capital investment program. Those two specific programs focus on anybody who's just at this point where like, 
listen, like I already have uh, my own space. Yeah. I'm already doing really great. Like, like, I don't know, a million plus in terms of revenue, right? Per year. Um, I don't really need um, access to workshops on financial planning anymore, right? But what I really value is learning from people who've kind of already done it. They're already uh, where I want to be. And if I can have the opportunity to sit down with them, kind of like at a mentor-mentee kind of basis, um, and get some advice, um, I'm willing to do that, right? And opt into that. So that's what our program, the strategic advisory program is for people at that stage. And then capital investment, it's self-descriptive. If you're thinking about raising money, um, then we have that specific program for you too. No. Okay. No. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> quite a bit, a lot of programs like under, um, under the program, under yep. Venture Labs. Yep. Um, and you're in charge of a few of them, right? Like I'm, so I'm uh, heading up Tech Undivided mm -hmm. and I'm supporting Hardware Catalyst Initiative, mm -hmm. um, which are new recently funded programs. Um, Hardware Catalyst Initiative is a first of its kind in North America. Um, where it's a dedicated lab space um, that's focused on supporting the growth of hardware companies mm. um, in semiconductors, silicon. Um, so, and the idea is very simple. It's if somebody today in Canada wanted to create like the next, uh, I don't know, an, another phone, you can say, whether it's the next iPhone or the next Blackberry or whatever, um, do they have the abilities and the resources and the environment to do it, right? Yeah. Chances are no. Why? Because the reason why a lot of people opt in for software is because the operating costs to just get started are so low that it's really easy to get in, right? Whereas with hardware, the access to the equipment that you need, the software programs to kind of create these, these I don't know, designs, industrial yeah. designs and stuff like that, um, it's through the roof, like to get a, uh, an account to um, Synopsys, which people use for hardware, mm -hmm. um, it's anywhere I think between half a million, right? Mm -hmm. Fact check me on that, but it's, it's a ridiculous amount, right? So nobody's really incentivized to even want to do anything, yeah. right? What they'll do is like, if they have an amazing idea, what they'll do is they'll, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go where I know I can make it happen. Where Silicon, Silicon Valley, that's chances, chances are that's where they're, where they're going to go. So we kind of looked at the environment or the leadership team of Venture Lab looked at the environment. Just like you said, mm -hmm. York region has a lot of history in tech, yeah. right? AMD is our, one of our biggest success yeah. stories, right? And those were just two guys at a U of T um, who just started um, in graphics, graphics pro processors. Um, and they just, and it used to be called ATI and they just exploded, right? Um, and so it was that kind of mindset. Yeah, well, yeah. if there's, if you want more companies like that, give them the tools and the resources that they need. So that's what the, the lab is focused on, right? Super exciting. The first cohorts, um, already been selected. It's already been, uh, published as well. Who's mm -hmm. in the cohort. And there's some crazy, crazy technologies, um, like very futuristic kind of stuff. Um, and then our launch event's going to be happening on February 6th. Um, where we're going to have the entire ecosystem, all the partners. We have AMD as a partner, IBM, um, and a whole other lineup of really, really amazing companies um, who are really kind of providing a lot of hands-on support. So we're excited about that. And then there's the Tech on Divided program, which is the basic problem that it's trying to tackle is 
the gender gap um, and the, 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 the idea like, not the idea, the fact that there's a lot of unconscious bias that exists within the tech ecosystem, yeah. right? Um, so one fact that I like to refer to a lot, um, so if you look, um, so based on the pace that the whole world is operating at today, um, how long do you think it would take globally to close the gender gap? Mm. Um, and that's determined on four factors like education, health, um, labor, and political involvement. How long do you think? If you I've, had to guess. I've heard this, uh, heard this uh, fact before. Okay, so I, you have the answer. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish I had the recall for that. Yeah. But, um, uh, but go ahead, please educate me. Yeah. Yeah, so it's globally, according to World Economic Forum, it's about 99.5 years. Okay. Right? Um, and for North America, it's about 151 years. So what's like kind of shocking and disturbing about that is, is I won't see the gender gap close in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and chances are, depending on the age of our kids, um, they may or may not see it as well, right? Yeah. So that means like our sisters, our wives. Um, Sorry, do you, do you, did you look into like how they came up with this number at all? Like yeah, so they determined it on those four factors. Okay. So they, they, they have an index that they've been um, collecting since, I don't know, like early 2000s, okay. right? And they're always publishing a report. Mm -hmm. There's about, a, I think, 160 countries in the index. Okay. And they measure on those four factors. So they measure on ed, uh, educational attainment, uh, health and survivability, uh, economic participation um, and labor, okay. um, and then just political involvement, right? Mm. So they look at those four areas and they try to determine based on all the data that they collect, okay, like, let's just look at how much male involvement there is and how much female involvement is, there is, right? Yeah. And then, I don't know how they calculate it, but they kind of determine, they're like, okay, on average, around the world, at the current pace, it's going to take about 100 years. Um, and then they break it up into different areas. So North America, they're saying 150, right? Yeah, yeah. So like things that Canada does really well um, across the board for mm -hmm. all genders is um, education attainment, educational attainment and uh, health and survivability. We're almost at 100% on both factors, right? Um, in terms of economic participation, um, women, make up 48% of the labor force, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when it comes to like political involvement, we don't, we've never had a female prime minister, yeah. right? Um, first time I think um, under Justin Trudeau, we had that 50-50 cabinet, right? Um, but even still, if you look at the amount of women um, politicians compared to men, um, they're still underrepresented, right? There's not as many, right? And in the report, it says this is a very crucial area because that's where societal change can happen, right? Yeah, yeah. When you pass these bylaws and these policies and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, so they, for them, it's like, they're like, this is a critical area where we need a lot of involvement. But then on the other end, you have to look at economic participation. Even though 48% of them are in the workforce, in Canada, I think in one in five board members are female, right? And so what you're saying is that now you don't have a lot of female representation at the leadership level. Mm. They're not, they're, there's not enough decision makers at the table representing that voice and that perspective of life. Um, so now you're getting an underrepresentation, or you're not getting that kind of, that 
level of insight, that unique insight that they can provide um, at the table. And so now you're, you're kind of, I guess you're seeing a trickle effect when yeah. it comes to access to certain opportunities mm-hmm. um, or you go into this area of unconscious biases that exist in men, right? Um, an example of that is like if a female entrepreneur is pitching to some VCs and they're all male VCs, right? The types of questions that they ask or the level of weight that they put on certain factors to help them decide on whether this is someone that they want to be helping or not can potentially be flawed or skewed based on biases that are more in favor of men as opposed to women, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're saying is that we don't know that exists, yeah. right? I, I 100% probably have them, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know when I have them and I don't even know what they are, right? They'll only be potentially shown in the decisions I make, right? So the program is essentially trying to focus on these factors. What we're saying is that the gender gap is so big, right? Unconscious bias is a big thing as well. We're focusing it on the tech ecosystem, right? And we're saying that um, we're focusing on supporting female founders in tech Mm -hmm. um, who are running their own companies, who are leaders in their own right, and giving them um, increased representation um, so that they can access opportunities so that we can kind of be, like level the playing field, you can almost say, yeah. right? Um, at the same time, um, the uniqueness is that this isn't a um, by women for women initiative, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a lot of those, which is an amazing thing to see, right? But for us, it's a, this is a by everyone for women kind of focus, yeah. right? Where it's like, we don't want to further perpetuate the exclusivity that um, like men have been getting a certain level of treatment for centuries and so therefore women should be getting a special treatment now right and that should come at the cost of 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 anybody else at the table Mm -hmm. right we're saying that we don't want to perpetuate that divide right that idea Um, everybody has something to provide into this conversation right Mm -hmm. everyone no matter what gender you are you have experience and knowledge and skill sets that can help somebody, right? So even though our female founders in the cohort may be female, right? Um, the mentors that we're gonna be bringing on board, it's gonna be like gen- a 50-50 gender parity, right? We're gonna have men and female, right? Um, and that's because like, we understand like everyone needs to be having this conversation, otherwise you're just gonna further perpetuate this problem, right? So yeah, we're so we're excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first cohort has been selected. Uh, our event is gonna be happening where we're gonna be launching um, everything in terms of who's been selected, um, partners that we have on board, mentors that we have on board. Uh, we're just in the process of getting all these things uh, rounded up, mm-hmm. um, but we're super excited. Yeah. Like like the the female founders that we have are just beyond words when it comes to the stuff that they're working on, the technology that they have. Uh, there's AI, um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of diversity in the type of technology in, in the different industries, um, digital health, FinTech, clean tech, um, HR, marketing tech, right? Um, so it's really cool to see. They all have products, they're all in market, right? They're yeah. already making money, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so what we want to do with the program is it's for six months um, and you want to you want to bring them in uh, it's starting in February um, and then and then six months at the end of it you have a demo day 
Um, and then we work backwards from the demo day, essentially. We're like, okay, how, what, what are the key areas um, of support that you need? So we do that by having a milestone meeting. Our internal advisors who have years of uh, expertise, they sit down with each of them and they're like, okay, let's talk about what are your current areas of focus um, and what we can realistically accomplish by the end of six months. Where do you want to be in six months? And then let's work backward from there. A lot of the things that we're going to be focusing on is their ability to pitch and present. Mm. Um, it's going to be on their financials, right? Um, it's going to be on uh, helping them with their whether it's their sales planning or their sales cycle, but how do you kind of get them um, more customers, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was really, so I know you can't talk about the company, specific companies, because not announced yet. Yeah. So we, well, let's not get into the exact details. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you kind of, one of the things I appreciate about you is like, you kind of see in the structure of this program, which is so fundamental, right? Mm -hmm. And in developing these kind of companies. Um, and especially in this kind of realm where it's, uh, it's solving like a social need as well. Um, what goals in constructing these kind of programs? What, what, sir? What goals in constructing these programs? Oh man. So, okay. There's a lot of feedback that's required, yeah. right? There's no point in creating something. Um, if you don't get the, the involvement of mm -hmm. who you're creating it for, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's very, very, um, uh, customer first approach. Yeah. which is one of the values of Venture Lab as well, right? And if you look at Venture Lab, like if it was its own startup, yeah. our programs are our product, right? Mm -hmm. um, this, is where you this is where you're going to provide your highest level of value for anyone to even want to um, spend any time, right? Because time is the only resource we don't have. So you really got to sell the value, right? And so that's for us, that's our, our programs. And when we're creating it, like we have an amazing team of people who mm. kind of create these programs, right? And they really dig deep when it comes to um, really going the extra mile and understanding what's the problem and how am I going to go out and solve it, yeah. right? Um, so our programs team is kind of mainly in charge of that. Mm -hmm. um, also led by women and like the, the level of, um, I don't know, intense focus yeah. uh, that they bring and they're always w uh, willing to challenge themselves. They're always open to new ideas, um, but they're always um, willing to put their foot down when they know something is right. Mm -hmm. And when it's to the benefit of the, the entrepreneur in that specific program, um, it's phenomenal. So, and from my understanding is what goes into the development of the programs is speaking directly with the entrepreneurs, um, understanding what resources we have um, and what we can make happen. Um, and then just kind of like, you're just putting two and two together almost, right? Yeah. Um, you're really kind of, uh, you're just trying to line up all these pieces. Um, so you get the, the maximum or the highest amount of output from it. Um, but the vision stays the same and you're always in pursuit of the vision, which is you want to be building tech titans yeah, yeah. Um, that build in Canada, but go global, yeah. right? Um, so as long as you, you're always reminded of the vision, which the leadership team always does a great job of, um, you're using whatever resources you have, whatever partnerships you have, whoever you know, um, to create something that's being informed by the end user, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I want to get to the core of, right? Like these, these programs that developed by Venture Labs and companies like this, you guys are the RIC Center, right, for um, York Region? Yeah, so, so in Ontario, there are 18 <coughs> regional innovation centers. Mm -hmm. um, they all 
from my understanding, they're all operated independently, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there is no formal reporting structure to the Ontario network of entrepreneurs, which is what it's supposed to be falling under. Um, so everyone operates independently, but yeah, like we are the regional innovation center um, for the York region. So yeah. we're serving that entire market. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, under this infrastructure, like you have so much government oversight and bureaucracy, I would imagine there's so many checks and balances yep. developing these kind of programs and move forward. Yep. How long did it take to develop a program like this to, under, to really get all the partnerships in place, have strategic players, right? To get all the checks and balances. It, de it, it depends because you're, you're, you're working within the fiscal year of whoever your funder is, right? Mm. So for nonprofits, uh, like public money is a big thing, right? Um, so you're using um, government funded money to kind of create and execute and deliver what you said you were going to do, right? For us, it's about um, economic prosperity, right? We're, we're helping companies um, become more successful so they can hire people and increase, the, increase jobs, increase uh, overall uh, the amount of money within Canada, right? Increase business, all that kind of stuff. So how long it takes? So there's planning involved before, right? That can take a couple months um, in terms of what is it that you're pitching because you're going to be pitching something before you even get funding to deliver it, mm -hmm. right? That takes a couple months and that, and that really depends. It's, it, it depends on the focused amount of time that it can take and it can take and it could be like how long have you just kind of been thinking and noodling about it, right? Like it's been in the back of your mind because you've been observing it and you've been taking it in yeah. for like the course of how long you've been working with Venture Lab, right? Mm -hmm. Or you've just been in the industry, right? Um, and then once you kind of, I guess, have your focus attention of, of figuring out in a structured way what the program is going to look like, which can take a couple of months, um, then you find out. So you got to just play the waiting game and find out if you receive the funding or not. Um, once you've received it, then it's like in, in the application, you've, you've already written down um, your target dates. Like I'm going to have the team hired by this day, right? Uh, the program's going to launch by this day, right? So you're giving yourself, I don't know, realistically, maybe two to three months of an in-between time on each of these things to execute, right? So it's a lot of work, like, because sometimes, because like what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to be realistic, but you're giving yourself a stretch goal, right? So it's like if I say like, okay, we got to create a program in two months, right? And you're like, how am I supposed to create a program that's going to be serving entrepreneurs to go global? And I only have two months to figure this out, like the structure of, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, just figure it out, right? Because um, that's the stretch goal. It's going to force you. It's going to be the forcing function to really get you to sit down and come up with something. And then just as long as you have this mindset of always being iterative, right? Like the first, the first version of it's not going to be the final version of it. We, we have this process of um, collecting data collecting feedback and, and constant improvement. Yeah. Um, I think you're doing a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, so this is what I want to understand how you guys function, right? Cause like, it's interesting you said like these venture labs is like, an, is like a startup, a nonprofit, and you're really pitching it to funders into your programs. Um, are these funders generally the, the, is the province, the city, the region? Yeah. All across the board. All across so the board. So federally, uh, regionally, provincially, municipally, right? 
cool. Um, and is then, it like a fraction then, of each on each program? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, so it depends on the program and it depends on what you're asking for. Um, and then at the same time, uh, there's a lot of uh, private partnerships as well yeah. um, with different corporations um, where you receive funding for different initiatives as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean generally these corporations, uh, they get to see companies that develop all these programs and potential partners for them. Is that the relationship there? Like, uh, I don't know about seeding. So, so uh, Venture Lab takes no equity yeah. in any company that comes through us, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't partner with people that have some vested interest in getting equity from, um, from the dollars that they've put in, gotcha. right? Um, the relationship is mainly, um, it's, it's putting them in front of the entrepreneurs, in front of the clients, because it's possible that they might be a client themselves, right? A, large, a lot of these large multinational enterprises, um, they're B2B, yeah. right? So their, their user is gonna be uh, a small to medium sized enterprise, right? And we have like about 2,000 of them, right? Mm. So for them, it's like getting access to that, uh, that market, right? Um, and then just kind of putting their value ads in front of them and, t and kind of telling them or having the opportunity to tell them that A, we support you, right? Through the fact that we're actually doing this funding, right? Yeah. Um, two, did you know that our product or our service also supports you on your journey, right? Mm -hmm. And have you tried it yet or not, right? And so, then three is just general, it's brand exposure for them, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. So like, I mean, let's go to like the direct relationship there, right? Like, do the, the funding companies, right, do they see the startups as the potential customers of their product or if they could be potentially solve problems for them or like, you know. Uh, I, think, I think, yeah, I think it could be both. Um, like, I, I think a lot of companies obviously um, have to be able to keep their lights on. Mm -hmm. So they do see it in that sense of um, support now and then later on we can talk about the details yep. in terms of like compensation and whatnot. Right. Um, but we really try to find companies that align with our values. Right. So we're looking for people who kind of see that um, start like the start. The entrepreneurial journey is not easy. Right. Um, a lot of support is required and you have to have a long term vision. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that the payout for you is not immediate. There's yeah. no short term gratification here. Yeah. Right. Um, it's really um, it's really a relationship that builds over time. Um, and then, and then based on how you work and how the relationship is, um, it determines whether it stays or not and becomes sustainable or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's generally how it kind of goes or yeah. it should go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it comes down to that, right? Like, it's really hard to quantify and it's such a high risk kind of game that the innovation economy runs on. What are the potential outcomes for? Mm -hmm. And kind of what you guys do as, as Venture Labs is um, kind of minimize the risk for mm -hmm. all parties. Yep. Right? Yeah. 100%. By putting through a program, yep. giving all this strategic support, yep. you're minimizing the risk by minimizing potential failures. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because like, I had a friend who's in the hardware space. Um, I remember I was just talking to him one time and he had a friend as well who's an entrepreneur. Um, and he was just telling me, he's like, he's like, it's actually harder to fail at starting a company today than it was ever before. Mm. Like it's like, if anyone wants to start something, it's actually not that hard because of the amount of support that exists in Canada, yeah. right? 
Um, even in like if you look at uh, OECD, which is like, uh, have you heard of them by any chance? OECD? Yeah, so they're, they're a uh, global kind of think tank, you can almost say. Okay. So they do a lot of reporting on um, entrepreneurial activity, kind of like the Startup Genome Report. Okay. Kind of like that, right? Um, and so even they, they've done, um, they've taken into a, a lot of, they've taken a lot of data and published reports. Um, where they've noticed that also in Canada, we have one of the highest, um, highest numbers when it comes to youth entrepreneurship. They're like the next generation in Canada when it comes to um, entrepreneurial involvement is higher compared to so many other areas, right? And so they're like, it has a great foundation, right? Now what the, the focus has been for like the past couple of years is how do we get companies after they've already started and how do we get them to scale, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get them from just like a, a team of like two to 10 people um, who have a product and they're just getting into the market to someone who's like at an international level, kind of like an AMD, right? How yeah. do you get, to, how do you do that, right? Mm -hmm. So now that's the major focus. So yeah, so yes, we do help subsidize the risk, yeah. Yeah. Or minimize the risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really great to hear because, again, York region, like what it used to be known for is that innovation in York region used to be employees of these bigger companies come spin out with an idea yes. or something. They develop on the idea and generally get bought out by their the, the company they came out of yep. or other companies. Yep. And it's like an IP kind of generation. Yep. Right? Yep, yep, yep. So incubation be became like a way to, get, to generate um, IP mm -hmm. that can be bought out for X amount. And for the founder or ex-employee, it's a way to like, you know, get to generate some, uh, like a lot of capital really quickly mm -hmm. and capitalize on an idea. Mm -hmm. But it becomes like a region that kind of innovates amongst each other. Mm -hmm. But now lately, York region has made a considerable effort to shift. And mm -hmm. I think that's also because of Canada's larger goals mm -hmm. as a nation, right? is to create more scalable companies mm -hmm. that can you know, grow, mm -hmm. not just be absorbed into larger companies as like innovation engines or like yep. just as new thought, yep. but um, actually become their own independent entities. Yep. How has that shift been? Have you, have you been there for this process or it's happened before your time or you're still seeing it now? Um, I think this happened definitely, like the conversation changed before I was at Venture Lab, mm -hmm. um, but I was witnessing the conversation change. Yeah. Cause you can just kind of see it based on uh, the, like you can see it based on, first of all, if you look at all the incubators and accelerators, right? First it was just incubators. Everybody was just focused on helping startups. Yeah. You have an idea you, and you have, and you're working on an MVP, apply and, and we'll give you the support you need, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they were just like, it was just a, this huge funnel, right? And everybody was just saying, yes, yes, yes. Then after a couple of years, you started noticing that, okay, the conversation needs to, the focus now needs to change. We need to stop focusing on the, the earlier part of the entrepreneurial journey when it comes in terms of the, the product. And we need to start focusing a little bit later when yeah. they're actually in growth, yeah. right? And then everybody just started saying, okay, we're all, we're only focused on growth stage companies, right? And we're focusing our time and our efforts on growth stage companies, right? So I know I witnessed that, yeah. right? Um, and it was interesting because then it, it's like, okay, then who's supporting the earlier stage companies, right? If everybody who's these big players in the innovation ecosystem is supporting later stage companies now, right? Then who's going to kind of pick up and support the ones who were earlier stage? Um, I think that's where you see the value of like co-working spaces and co community groups, right? Like even though these 
incubator and accelerators that focus on growth stage are focusing some on early stage as well. Mm. Um, there are, there is value in community driven incubators, right? Yeah. Or it's just people who kind of understand that I'm not part of this academic environment. I'm not part of this corporate environment, right? I'm not part of the government kind of mm, conversation, yeah. right? I'm outside of all those three things. Yeah. But even still, there's a lot of people who aren't getting support, right? And so I'm on the community side of things. And then, and how can I create something to, to give them a value, right? Like just because their, their idea or solution to a problem might not fit in our focus of like a tech product, let's say, yep. right? Um, it still doesn't mean that it's not solving a problem, right? That a certain amount of people could potentially be facing mm -hmm. and that could still be something to kind of be fulfilling to them, yeah. right? So let's talk a little bit about you, right? Like how you got involved in this whole space. Mm -hmm. What kind of drew you to this environment where you want to be a supporting factor for, or facilitator for these kind of uh, startups? So for me, it started when I was at Western. Yeah. Um, in my last year, second last year, mm -hmm. um, I applied for an internship at uh, the on-campus incubator, uh, which was called Biz Inc. Yeah. Um, now it's called Propeller. And I honestly, I didn't know what I applied for. Mm -hmm. All I knew, because I, I used to work, I have worked in like fast food industry. I've done like hard labor in terms of like warehouses and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like I'm about to finish university. I'm like, I got to really kind of get some experience. Um, so the transition will be easier, right? Mm. And I knew that I'm like, I need to have an environmental change, right? I can't be working in these like... Not to say it's a bad thing. For me, I was just like, I can't be working in the, the fast food or the, the, the warehouse manufacturing kind of space. Um, I got to get into like the office environment, right? Whatever that means. I didn't know what, like, I didn't know if what type of office environment or anything. I'm just like, if I can go to, to, to work and wear a collar shirt, I'm good, right? Yeah, yeah. So I applied and then um, I got it. And that just kind of broke so many preconceived notions I had about business for me. Yeah. Like, at that age, I always used to think that like, okay, to be a successful um, business owner, you have to have your degree in business, right? Um, you gotta put at least that time in and get that, that valid certification to kind of tell you, yeah, you have the skills and the knowledge to go and be successful here. Whereas when I saw people coming through the space, like I saw people from all walks of life. Mm. I saw people who were in the business programs saying that, it's it's not it's not what you think it is right there's nothing that can substitute experience right and i had people who had no business background running businesses and making good money right yeah. so it just it just kind of broke this that idea that i had um that's a, that's what it took um and so i and, and it and it really kind of helped me because i started building a network i started meeting all these people and it was just this community that uh, of individuals who were all running their own companies, right? Mm. Everyone had an idea, everybody was pitching, everyone was trying to get money. Um, so like my network kind of became that um, over the course of like the year, year and a half I worked there. Um, and then so when I left uh, and I graduated, I came back home and I was just like, like I'm missing that, right? I had this, this value that I was getting from, from London, Ontario. I'm back to Brampton. Um, it may or may not exist already, but it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't something I was experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe if I did a little bit more due diligence and I actually kind of did my homework and like, okay, what's happening in Brampton and going to get involved, maybe I I, I could have found something or would have found something. Um, but 
I, I, I didn't do that and I didn't think it was there. And then so I had a friend who was also part of that, that environment with me at Western who also lived in the same, we both lived in Brampton, mm -hmm. who also came back and we're both like, like there's nothing to do here, right? Um, so then it was just like, okay, well, what if we just solve our own problem, right? Um, and like, you know, you always have one friend who has, who's always coming up with up, uh, ideas and you're always shooting them down. You're just like, you don't know what you're thinking about. This was one where I was just like, yo, this is feasible. Like, this is like, this is actually could probably work, right? <clears throat> so it, it kind of became a summer project um, that snowballed so fast. Um, and essentially it became a co-working slash community incubator, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's called Lab Beat, still operating. Um, and it just kind of fell into it, right? Because we didn't realize how fast that snowball was going to roll, mm. that we didn't realize how much of our life it would have uh, ended up consuming. And before you know it, you're full-timing this thing, right? With no pay. Like, we had no money for, like, I don't know how many years, maybe two, two and a half, three, Jeez, yeah. right? Right out of school, parents being like, yo, what the hell are you doing? Like, go make some money. Yeah. Like, you need to support what's going on in this environment, right? Mm. And where you're just being like, like, just trust me, like, this is going to work, right? So, and it did. Like, we, we, we were a co-working space that was for-profit, that pivoted to becoming non-profit um, and community-focused, right? We didn't have a sector, um, f we, we were sector agnostic. It didn't matter who you were or what background you're coming with. Mm -hmm. As long as you were someone who had this mindset of, I want to be productive with my life, I don't want to just waste and do anything, right? Um, I have this idea to do an event or I have this idea to like sell some merchandise or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, we were there to be like, all right, cool, we're here to support, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we did that. We met some amazing people. We met an angel, angel investor who kind of saw the value in what we were doing. He met us one year um, into it and then he met us uh, two years after, mm -hmm. right? And between that one year, uh, when he talked to us, he was just like, like, like you guys are still working on this? And we're like, yeah, but we didn't have a space, yeah. right? We were doing like coffee, uh, coffee like jellies, yeah. right? So we, we'd meet up in uh, every other week, we'd meet up in a coffee shop. We'd just publicize to the community, hey guys, if anybody wants to work together, but work independently, like here's a community of people <laughs> who are doing <laughs> yeah. this, right? So we were doing that for like, I don't know how many months. We were doing events where literally like maybe three people would show up and we were fortunate enough to get a local boardroom or whatever, right? Um, but he was just like, like, like respect, you're still doing it. So he's just like, you know what? He's like, I've actually been thinking about getting a space as well for my own business, right? Somewhere I can work out of. So he's like, you know, he's like, he's like what I'll do is um, I'll get one large one, um, but you guys got to pay me rent, but I'll subsidize how much you have to pay me. So I'll take a, a, a portion of it. It'll also be my space to work out of but this is for you guys to pilot and test it out, right? So that, that was, that, that one act of generosity, just like it turned that person into our mentor yeah. who stuck with us for like uh, until today, like he's still supporting, right? Mm. Um, and like we went from 800 square feet to now it's about 3,200 square feet, I think. I mean, that's, um, a, that's yeah. a crazy concept, right? Like yeah. you pushed ahead, even though you don't have the space to run it as like a yeah. paid business. Yeah. But like school, you found spaces like the coffee places and yeah. you know, run a meetup. Yeah. There's still a lot of people doing that right now and meet yeah. up, running meetups and you know, meeting up in different restaurants and places yep. and just gathering people. Yeah. 
when did you figure out, how did you find, out, find that valuable? When did you, how do you know that that's going to be valuable, would be valuable? How well, it's because we experienced it. Like okay. when we were at Western, I experienced it at the, at the incubator I was working at, okay. right? This space where that was for entrepreneurs to come and do their work, right? Mm. Um, my partner, he experienced it through just being, um, coming to those events and stuff mm -hmm. and knowing people who are also working out of the space and also interns, um, but also getting a tour of someone doing a co-working space. Someone just in, uh, in London ended up getting an apartment, mm -hmm. right? But they just turned it into a co-working space. Instead of having a bedroom, they're like, this is a private office, right? Um, instead of like the living room, this is like, this is the open co-working space, right? Um, and, he, and that's when he was like, he just like, yo, he's like, yo, wouldn't this be cool in Brampton? I'm like, you know what? That actually would be wicked in Brampton, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just the space where like, it's not a coffee shop, it's not a library. It's somewhere where like like-minded people can come, get together and just yeah. do work um, for themselves, right? Um, and like doing events was a huge aspect of that, right? So, and then all the research that goes into kind of figuring out, okay, well, so we know what we want to do now, how, how do we do it? The co like, there was a co-working movement. There still kind of is. I, I, I don't, I'm not um, as plugged in as I used to be. But at that time, uh, in Toronto, I think there was about uh, 10 to 20 co-working spaces already operating at that time. What year is this? Um, 2000, it would have been 2013, around there, yeah. 2013, 2014. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Not much yeah. going on then, yeah. Yep. And then, um, but like globally, um, there were, like there's a lot in the US or some in Europe and a, a lot in like Spain, Barcelona, stuff like that, right? But there these be these national posts every mm -hmm. year to be like, okay, how much? What was the growth of co-working spaces? And every year it was doubling. People yeah. were just opening them, right? Yeah. And and then there's like, on Google they have these uh, group chat forums, right? So and it was public. Anybody can join co-working Ontario, which is all the owners of co-working spaces in Ontario, who basically ask questions like, yo, like how do I do this? How do I do that? Yeah. Right. So that's it. I just became a part of the conversation to be like, okay, what do we have to do? What's the first step? They're like, they're like, like big influencers were like, before you actually get a space, find your first 10 people, right? Yeah. That was like a golden rule, right? For in the, find the first 10 people who will cut you a check and be like, I will be using your space on a monthly basis or whatever, right? To like, then go get the space. Don't get it before, mm -hmm. right? So we followed that. And they're like, and to get to that, do these, these weekly or um, bi-weekly uh, jellies or co-working sessions at coffee shops, right? Start building your community, start doing these events to find those first 10 people, right? <clears throat> so that was the focus. But then we realized like, just because that works in some areas doesn't mm. mean that'll work in our area, yeah. right? There are other factors that are unaccounted for that make our problem unique. Cause we did that for a long time and it didn't work. It took a long time. And that's when we were like, yo, there's a lot of education that's being required on our part to tell people, this is the value of what we're trying to sell you on, right? This idea of working amongst a community as opposed to working in these isolated offices all the time and never talking to the person next door, right? Mm -hmm. But people, it didn't, it didn't resonate. Like mm -hmm. there was a lot of education required, right? Can I ask what, the, what was like the, Demographics of the community you were building here? Um, very multicultural, right? <laughs> Brampton's, it's, it's, 
like we're like visible minorities are a majority yeah right <laughs> just like in any like, suburban like Scarborough. Area. Yeah. yeah exactly right yeah. um especially a lot of punjabi people yeah. right um uh, a lot of south asian people um but the diversity that we saw in terms of like freelancers and entrepreneurs that was from every walk of life yeah, yeah. we didn't have like I, I can't say that 80% of the people that use the space were, were Punjabi or they looked like me or whatever, right? Um, I can confidently say it was right across the board. We had kids um, coming out of high school being like, yo, I want to do a pop-up shop here, right? To like, uh, we had Rupi Kaur. She did her first book launch out of the space nice. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like we did a painting gig together before, right? Because she went to Turner Fenton. She mm. went to the same high school as my partner, right? Um, he reached out to her. He's like, do you want to do this painting thing? We're just trying to kind of uh we're trying to do something that m makes people turn their heads mm. and then we're going to pitch them on what's our initiative right yeah, yeah, yeah. so we did like a whole painting thing where people are like oh what are you guys doing and they're like oh we're trying to create a space for creative people right creative entrepreneurs <sighs> voice crack my bad yeah. <laughs> um and then yeah, yeah. no it's yeah. cool so i mean you're really plugged into all these creatives and people doing yeah. things because right from that age you're like i need a creative community i need to build something i need to give this voice or like at least a space for the spaceless, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I felt the same kind of value when I was at uh, UTSC, the hub, mm -hmm. and uh, working at, again at an incubator. And it's like, wow, we need more of this. Mm -hmm. you know, why didn't we have this growing up? Like, why don't we have these kind of spaces? Yep. And now we're seeing an explosion of huddle shared space here. It's a great, great uh, example of that. Yep. Again, in Scarborough, right? Uh, what a quality space it provides. Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, like, the, the more of these popping up, I think it's fulfilling that need, right? The, the community itself now is driving it forward. Yep. And part of that is because of the changes in the environment. The way people are working has changed, yep. right? Entrepreneurship and innovation has become more the econ economic tools yep. of moving forward in life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to hear some of your thoughts on that, right? Like, um, Canada's going through this phenomenal change right now. We're all geared as a nation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's innovation centers opening up in like Sudbury, in yep. Thunder Bay. Yep. Right, Barry just hired a um, the city of Barry hired an entrepreneur in residence mm -hmm. to come and to, to show, give a voice for the entrepreneurs. Nice. Right, like, like so, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Right, like, um, like we hear about the fourth industrial wave pop, pop, like, is starting off, and a new yep. level, new levels of industrialization is being possible. Yep, mostly driven by SaaS companies, right? Mm -hmm. But like, why is Canada suddenly thrust in the forefront of all this? Mm -hmm. Like, we've been a, a tiny nation, like next to the giant which is the united states mm -hmm. but over the past decade it seemed like we're kind of at the center of this whole uh, like windstorm mm -hmm. right uh, from someone working within the, the more of these institutions what do you think what's your thoughts on this um i think definitely canada is in a it's definitely very progressive mm -hmm. and it's very very um it has a it's it's a leader when it comes to innova uh, innovation right um, the fact that we're already implementing like code in our, in our public schools, yeah, right? Kids yeah. learning to code, right? Like that went from a outside school, private value skills development thing to them understanding like, yo, there's skills that these, the next generation of kids need, um, for them to literally being like, okay, you know what? We're going to start implementing this in schools now too, yeah, because yeah. kids need to be uh, able to understand the language of technology, right? Um, and then uh, we're, we're frequenting um, 
we're frequenting a lot of tech conferences, right? We're, we're always on like um, big stages around the world where conversations are about uh, the in, like 4.0 industry, right? Um, but at the same time, now we're hosting big conferences as well. Other than our own local ones like Elevate, right? Um, we have Collision, right? Collision is the biggest, right? Tech conference that happens every year, yeah. right? Um, and those, even the organizing team saw the value that like, yo, we need to be in Toronto. Like there's, there's some serious density of talent um, and of, uh, of entrepreneurs. And when I say Toronto, I mean like GTA Toronto. I don't mean just Toronto downtown, right? Um, because obviously we have also Waterloo, we have York region. Um, and like you said, they're cropping up even in the suburbs, right? Um, so the fact that collisions happening, um, it's in its last year. So the, the, the way that it's, uh, it was pitched was that they're only going to do it for two years in Toronto. And then I think they're going to figure out, okay, well, do we want to come back or not? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I went last year. I've never seen that many people in a conference before. There's so many people and it was so big. Like, man, I, my legs were hurting. Like after the first day, right? You talking about collision conference? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah right. But I'm using, I'm, 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 using collision as an indicator of our success, right? Yeah, the yeah. fact that we are so progressive, that we have so many of these entrepreneurs that uh, when you're organizing conferences for the world, they're even understanding, yo, we need to have a footprint in Toronto, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, no, like I think, I think um, whatever our leadership is doing uh, at the governmental level to understand the value of technology and how we need to kind of be pushing forward, because um, they're doing stuff where like they have programs where they're specifically investing in um, the most successful tech companies, right? Mm. Like they have applications for people to apply for VC funding. That's from the government where they're like, we will give you like, I don't know, however many millions of dollars um, to solve these specific challenges. If your technology can do it, we will give you this much money to do it, right? Yeah. So it's like you're creating these incentive networks. You're, you're, you're going around and communicating the message of what we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, it's just now you got to really focus on um, retaining the talent, right? And giving people a reason to stay and, and, and really kind of um, focus on building their companies here. Um, and I, I, like, I know you've had VCs on your show. I don't know if they've, they've talked about the landscape, the VC landscape, but like when I hear entrepreneurs um, talk about uh, pitching to VCs in Canada as opposed to the States, they're like, I want to be in the States, mm -hmm. right? They're like over here, um, when we do our due diligence and when we want to make a decision to kind of invest or put some money in, like we take forever. We're yeah. super cautious. Yeah. Whereas they're not the same over there. No. They're not, they're just like, 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 oh, you're saying that I'm one of the few right now, like here, I'll, I'll drop some money right now, right? So I think maybe there has to be, start being a shift there now. We need to kind of start figuring out, okay, what is it that is kind of, I guess, what's unique to us, but that can also help our entrepreneurs, right? So I'm not saying give up your cautious mentality. I think that's, at, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's conservative, but it, it's because it's, we're thinking as much about um, ourselves as much as about the opportunity. Um, but how can you kind of, how, like what can you provide or what can you do um, for the entrepreneur for them to be like, I'm gonna stay in Canada then, right? I'm still gonna, despite this, right? Let's, let's figure out how to overcome this obstacle, right? But I still am gonna stay and build in Canada as mm. opposed to going seeking money somewhere else, right? Um, but I think, I know that Canada as a whole, um, 
in terms of its leadership, they understand that. I've heard them speak about it. Right? Yeah. I've heard the minister, Minister Benz, speak about that challenge. Um, and I know they're working on ways to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, I mean, that's one thing, like, it, it's so interesting about like, the, how the government has shifted again. Leadership is doing a great job in supporting, supporting and giving enough infrastructure uh, for all these entrepreneurs and innovation economy to really kick stuff and really to captivate what's going on right now in the marketplace. But I mean, I think there's, there's also like a, like a sociological shift that's also happening mm -hmm. where the, the institutions that were created for a different age mm -hmm. are now in conflict with their yes. new way of life. Yep. And they're being forced to modernize. I mean, we had um, earlier today, um, Dishan from KnowledgeHook, who okay. provides SaaS solution that's changing education, making not just the kids smarter and, and access to technology better, like through technology, I give them better training tools, but making teachers better mm. and parents better. Mm. They're already operating in York region. Nice. And, um, you know, and like how our institutions are changing mm -hmm. and how society is changing and looking at entrepreneurship and these innovations, innovations right? Like it's got learning curve we're all going through. Yeah. But I, I feel like we're all going somewhere yep. without knowing where exactly we're going. Yeah, no, 100%. We're all treading into these murky waters. Yep. And a lot of people are kind of feeling left behind. They're yep. lost in that fog yep. and not sure where to step around and move around. Mm -hmm. And places like Venture Labs gives that kind of guiding light. But it's, again, it's only so much you can do. Yep. There's only so much you can do in service. Yep. Right? So how do we create like a collaborative ecosystem which kind of captures all, right? Like I look at like, if like the ultimate kind of um, deleveraging of risk, right? For, especially for entrepreneurship, is have that kind of, some kind of cushion. Mm -hmm. um, and not like welfare system or like yeah. any of those yeah, 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 programs, yeah. but you gotta give them some sort of safety net. Some kind of net. So that if they if they crash and burn, at least something will catch them, yeah. right? Yeah. Have you followed all like Andrew Yang's campaign in the States? For like universal basic income? Universal basic uh, income. I haven't followed him, but I know about universal basic income. And right, so I mean, it's, such a, it's an old system. It's, a, it's an old idea, right? I mean, it's championed by a lot of different people throughout history, but it's kind of resurging now, almost like a solution for this. Yep. I see is like giving, pe resetting people's value from, you know, zero income to having some positive income. Yep. That being the cushion, allowing you to, yep. you know, jump around if you, and knowing that money will be coming in, you yep. can spend it towards something. Like, when you hear it like that, you know, like it sounds amazing, right? Um, but it depends also on the personality of the individual. You'll have people who'll just consume it. Absolutely. And right, and do nothing, mm -hmm. right? But then you'll have people who'll be entrepreneurial because of it. Yeah. They'll be like, yo, like, holy shit, all, my, all these, these reasons that I have to go and, and get a paycheck are just kind of being facilitated for me now, right? And so now I actually have the time to actually work on something that I want to work on, right? Which can be like, it can be so, it's like freedom in its own way, right? Cause like everybody is working a full-time job, but potentially has a side hustle, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this provides you uh, with the opportunity to make your side hustle your full-time hustle. Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about getting food on the table, having a roof over your head, right? Um, Absolutely. And more than that, I think like the way the economics work for that is that, again, it's like a portfolio. Yeah. Right. The people are the portfolio. Yep. You're going to percentage your bad eggs. We're just going to consume mm -hmm. and just like take advantage of the system. Yep. Of course, it's like any welfare state. But 
again, looking at any kind of social system that we've had in the past, mm -hmm. this is not a social system, but more of an institutional mm -hmm. level, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of invest in the people directly, a small portion of them would fail mm -hmm. the curve. Some people will, will have that bounce around room and it'll take a long time to invest in. Mm -hmm. But then some people who, who like, would be superstars, right? Who even regardless of having this or not, mm -hmm. would you know they're going to succeed. Yeah. You know, almost every yep. um, incubator or, or like space like that has seen these guys. Yeah. You know, you're just lucky to capture some part of their growth. Yeah. But they're just on a rocket ship. They're, and they're, they're our own local Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the idea being is like, if we can have this infrastructure being settled and like a, a new kind of social contra contra contract where you get to get to have this cushion to like boost your growth and move around. But as you succeed, as you move forward, you, you give back to feed the system, mm -hmm. right? And this kind of security net is kind of seen as like, not like a tax or not like government led, but more like a collaboration using technology to mesh all the players together, right? So like, and I know like there was like some crypto plays into trying to do this, yeah. right? How to sh you know, share your equity within, within a system so that as if one person, if like a certain percentage, the top 30% succeed, some of their wealth will redistribute the ones mm, that failed so mm, they can at least try again. Because mm. everyone trying and moving forward yep, is better yep. than like a lot of people dropping off. Yep. Right? Because yep. in the end, it boosts potential talent pools and potential workloads that other people who actually succeed can actually use later on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It keeps the game going. Yep. Keeps people in the game yep. longer. Yep. Right? And um, I mean, we've had so many people here talk about this, right? The people who really do well in this entrepreneurial game treats it like a game. Yeah. It's like, it's not about the money coming and going out. It's like, you have to spend the money. You can't yep. be anxious about that. Yep. It's not about, you gotta take the leaps, you gotta take the risks. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you gotta calculate about how to keep going along the game, right? Mm -hmm. like, have you heard of uh, Simon Sinek's uh, new book? Uh, the new book, yes. In I the haven't read it. Game? Yeah. yeah, I haven't read it either, yeah. but I've been devouring this content about it because okay. it's such an interesting mentality, right? Okay. How um, you're in these two types of ways you can play this game, mm -hmm. in, you know, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. The finite game is when you have a certain goal, a certain kind of mindset, and you're there just to get that end result. Okay. But the, if you don't get it, you failed. But if you do get it, you know, you're out. Yeah. But then the infinite game, the ability to, the wanting to play for the sake of staying in play. Mm -hmm. Right? And when you're in this kind of mode of, of, of playing for the sake of playing and mm -hmm. keeping as long as playing, you make very different strategic kind of moves. Yep. And it, it changes your mentality and changes what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that also goes into the idea of like fixed and growth mindset, right? Fixed mindset's that idea of like, um, my failures and successes define me. Mm. Whereas a growth mindset is my failures don't define me. My su successes don't define me. Like be humble, right? Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just focused on um, improving and learning and having this constant feedback loop where it's... Um, I don't see me not achieving something as a bad thing. I see mm. it as a learning opportunity, mm. right? And I take that in and then I'll do it again, right? Yeah. Whereas, and it's, a, it's like what you're saying is like for people who are playing these two games, there are people who are playing the game where it's like, like I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of the game. I'm just doing, I'm, I'm just playing, that's it, right? And I don't ever want to stop playing yeah. because I love the game, right? It's just figuring out what's the game that you love to play, right? Mm. Um, whereas I think that's where people need to figure out like what's that thing that you want to spend the rest of your life doing yeah. that despite all the obstacles that are going to come and like don't ever psych yourself into ever thinking you'll pick something that doesn't have any obstacles, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
it'll still be fulfilling. It'll still be okay, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's that it's fine. Like if I'm choosing a career in photography, right? But I have just no idea because I don't have any retainers of people who have contracts with me, right? Yeah. But you accept it. You're like, okay, that's just the challenge that I chose to have and I, I chose to live with, right? And I'm gonna and, and I'll overcome it because I have this mindset where I'm gonna try things, I'm gonna fail, but I'm gonna learn and try something else, right? And then I'm just gonna keep, then I'll succeed over the long term, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know that about the, his book, but I, I do see the parallels yeah. in those ideas, right? Yeah, and that's kind of leads me to like kind of what we're doing here, right? Like we were interested in the games that these people play. Mm -hmm. like everyone is kind of, it, whether you know it or not, they mm -hmm. should be playing at something. Like you yes. said, like, you know, whatever you find out what you're good at and yep. what are you going to focus on in building the rest of your life, right? Yep. Whether it be that skill set you hone down and make yours, yep. or else those, the ability to build new things that can, that can build, build wealth for you. Yep. It's right? just, yeah, you just got to figure out, it's like, because kind of going back to UBI, it's like, okay, the position you're in today is, okay, let's say I'm doing this nine to five, mm. and, but there's this game I really want to play, but I, I haven't made that leap yet, right? Um, but if I had UBI, I could be playing that game, right? And getting the support. It's just interesting. And society should, I think that that's a social contract there, the yeah. new one, right? Is that it's better for us to fund everybody playing this game mm. as a holistically we gain more mm -hmm. out of it mm -hmm. than we lose from like, you know, the people who are going to swallow up resources. Mm. It should become so cheap to provide this resource mm -hmm. that the loss of it doesn't matter as much anymore. In fact, that's feedback mechanism to maybe prevent it, mm -hmm. right? And guide people back to a truer path. But as long as, I think the first stage is to measure it, mm. right? And that's one of the things I'm, I'm really interested in. So, I mean, we don't talk much about, about the tech side of what we do here on the podcast, but one of the things we're interested in looking into is how do we measure the games that we're in, mm -hmm. right? Can we use technology to make people better, mm -hmm. right? To get, make them more empowered mm -hmm. rather than fearful and anxious about the rate of change technology is providing, mm -hmm. but themselves feel empowered, right? How do we change that dynamic? That's a very interesting challenge. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very yeah. cool game to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're interested in. And um, again, Henry, man, this has been great. Yeah. Like getting ready into your mindset, especially uh, um, your institutional mindset, you have the knowledge of being part of these, part of, the, part of Venture Labs and what you guys are doing there, really great job. I really hope to work, uh, work more closely with you guys. Yeah. Talk to a few more of your companies. A few, a few yeah, companies yeah, yeah. have already come on the show. Nice. Um, so hopefully we can see more of them. And again, thank you for everything you do. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate Perfect. it. Thank yeah. you.